So myths defined our possibilities as archetypes, mythic figures represent the qualities and potentials inherent in all of us. The actual stories and legends are vehicles for expressing these qualities and the glamorous, adventurous nature of myths captures the attention of parts of our psyche that relate to symbolism. Psychologist and psychohistorian Gene Houston refers to myths as the DNA of the psyche, containing the genetic code of our psychic constitution. The stories are told and retold, heard and reheard, and the special aspects of our consciousness or unconscious nature relate to symbolic characters and events in the myth, giving us a fuller, richer picture of ourselves and our relationship with the universe around us. So it is with the myth of the warrior, a myth that is reforming itself from the ancient warrior codes into stories and practices befitting current times and people. Now this idea of the craft of the warrior, and this is from a book, Robert L. Spencer. And this has always appealed to me from a number of different aspects in terms of the warrior mythology. And this book captures captures that essence and breaks it down into its its components. In fact, in the prefix, which I, I, I didn't start off with, he talks about um, and likens it to um, like the magician. And the magician never practices in public or reveals his secret. And one of the things that the warrior, the warrior in a sense of this this um, extraordinary human who seemingly has special powers, does is not reveal his tricks. Whereas, and what Robert Spencer is laying out is that in through this book he's giving the he's he's letting you have a look underneath the hood of warriorship so back to the book stories and legends have always been told of those who lived more fully than the rest of us and those who have had knowledge powers or attributes beyond the everyday world where ordinary people are confined the bravery of those special ones has been admired greatly, as has their dedication to the quest and discipline. So characters like, and some of these are my favorite characters in here, at least a few of them anyway, Odysseus, Merlin, Moses, Miyamoto, Nazrunda. So these kinds of names, they leap out from you from many cultures, with each hero exemplifying dedication to an ideal and the discipline required to travel a chosen path they all possess something extraordinary and this is the thing it's that extraordinary thing that attracts me so much it's really really plays heavy in my mind as an attraction it's a it's an attractive quality and I'm, I'm just reflecting back on times as a kid and, and the, the types of books that I read and the heroic fantasy books and being attracted to that sort of the warrior, the hero figure uh, in those books or watching the Saturday morning 
martial arts, kung fu theater, and you know your silent, superhuman but very humble uh, warriors in those films. You know they're highly skilled, highly disciplined, but it's through that skill and discipline that they acquire. And I almost want to say they acquire extra human, superhuman characteristics. But the idea behind this is that actually, actually, and if you think about meditation and things like this, is about are we really living up to our full potential? Or are we drowned out by all the different, the noise and stuff that's uh, of daily living? Or do we get and and Spencer talks a little bit more about this um this idea of of being so stuck in the functional that perhaps we become dis detached from um our true potential the true power that we have within ourselves so back to the book again so they all possess something extraordinary be it physical strength, secret knowledge, a compelling vision, or special guidance from the gods. Through these mythic figures, we are given glimpses of the possible and assurance that there is more to life, more to the world, than what we encounter in seemingly ordinary existence. The heroes and warriors of the myths represent the archetypes of our own inner workings. So Odysseus, his journeys signify our own. Each spell cast by Merlin whispers that we all have powers yet untapped. And that's it, isn't it? It's, it's, um, you see them and they're human and you think, wow, he has have those powers. Can I, can I, can I get some of that? <laughs> At least that's what goes through my mind. So back to the book. If the mythic figures highlight our possibilities, what is to be said for our daily lives in the ordinary world? Our Western culture, with its focus on rationality and mechanization, has lost much of its richness, much of the richness of ourselves conveyed in myth. In fact, the word myth is often used to degenerate and trivialize a belief, dismissing it as a fiction as a myth to be exploded, showing it to be an unscientific, misleading farce. So dismissing the myths, we resign ourselves to the real world, assigning those grand, grand adventures along with all they could mean to us personally and collectively to the realm of fantasy. No wonder we characterize ourselves as struggling in the rat race, finding our time and energy and ambition absorbed in the struggle for the legal tender. The parts of our lives not dedicated to earning money for survival become focused on such real-world issues as status, fashion, material acquisition, political or religious dominance, and the pursuit of leisure. In the face of the massive efforts we make in these pursuits, our sensitivities become diminished and finally we can only respond to gross forms of stimulation. Soon drugs, horror movies, and obsession with the negative events around us permeate our culture. We search for guidance and a code of living, but usually 
find more of the same with boredom, depression, fear, and alienation, the results. And when I first read that paragraph, well, I've had this book for for many years now, it was just like, it was just, it landed in front of me at the time, at the right time. You know, wouldn't you, and you may not have come to this point, um, but it seems that we all maybe get to that space at some points in time, I think, where you, where you have one of those pauses and you think, is this all there is? So, you know, you've been in the rat race, doing your thing, vying for promotion, being a good employee, um, working like a dirty dog, um, and then having that light bulb moment where you pause and you're like, is this it? Is this all there is? Um, and that, that kind of, that paragraph sort of spoke to me in that space, in that way. And I was, was hooked from there. Um, just yeah, I was hooked. <laughs> it, it just, as I said, it just landed at the um, right time for me. So continuing on, the discontents of civilization, however, prove that the longing within us is still alive. The rat race and gross levels of stimulation offered as entertainment can be seen as ways of trying to get beyond the confines of the material web that entangles us. Even though that strategy does not work. There's an assertion in the struggle that there must be something more to life. Our definition of the world world, the real world, inhibits us from embracing the archetypical realm exemplified in legend and myth. And the unmet desires for the more erupts into excess and violence. This is not surprising, after all, in a culture that loses the teaching stories that guide its members Provide a basis for right living and hint at a level of knowledge possible. So this is this. And this is, I find that interesting as well. I find it interesting that when you really, I guess when you're historically looking at myths and the role that they played and and, and still play, I'm saying looking at the role that they, they used to play, but actually there's a lot of, if you really think about some, there is a lot of myths that still that we still use as guidance, but we might not call them myths anymore in that sense. Because usually, when you think of myth, myths, you think of um, you know the sort of Greek myths, right, and the Roman myths, and um, yeah, the Odyssey, the Iliad. And you think of you know Hercules and. Um, Pandora's box. You know, you think of those as myths, and as if those were, the, you know, and that was the body of mythology that's kind of there. And when you study mythology in school, it's, it's that kind of period of myths. But when you think about what myths, what role they did play in society, they were instruct instruction aspects, to helping you, teaching f- f- generations of you know how to live, how to tackle, how to think about certain aspects of our well all of our our mind body soul spirit the whole of our being it was a way of passing down um a way of 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 absorbing lessons that you would apply as you're doing your thing out in the real world and but we've again we've i think i think there's a lot of mythology that's still 
at work, although we might not call it necessarily mythology, but there's a, a for instance, a, just an example, um, the whole sort of, you know, meet your prince charming or meet your, you know, the your, your princess, your Cinderella, um, and then, you know, fall in love, get married, live happily ever after. Um, there's and, and you'll see that story time and time again as you watch any you know, movie books you know that that archetypical relationship plays itself out but there's a fantasy part of that that happens and that maybe sometimes and this is probably the subject of a, another podcast perhaps but um we have that ideal and we try to match reality with that ideal. So I think we maybe lose some connection there with what the story's trying to teach us. So, but anyway, so, um, yeah, the mythology, myths, myths, bringing myths back alive and using them for what they, their original intention, I think is, is the key at what Spencer's getting at here. So carrying on, so this is not surprising after all in the culture that loses its teaching stories that guide its members, provide a right basis for living, provide a basis for right living, a hint at levels of knowledge possible. The separation and alienation we feel from the rest of the universe is the price we pay. The rampant materialism and disregard for others and for the environmental resources upon which we depend have replaced the feeling of being a part of the world and knowing our place in the scheme of things. This loss is felt deeply by countless people, many of whom cannot identify what it is they are missing and who are not quite sure from what it is they are alienated. They just know that there must be more. And I'm wondering if you are listening to this and you're at this part in this podcast and hearing that, and, and if you've had this moment in your life that where you've questioned that, you know, that, that there must be more. Because <laughs> life can seem quite absurd sometimes when, I mean, if you just take a pause for the cause at some point in your day, just stop. And I do this frequently. And just look around and observe all the people around you. And you look at the stuff that we do. And I mean, I have to laugh sometimes. Sometimes I laugh out loud. Because it really does just strike me as um, absurd. <laughs> and, and I know it's just, you know, it's life and it's what we do. And, you know, what else are you going to do, right? <laughs> you got to do something between the dashes. Um and so we just carry on, but it's that it's it's when we do that carrying on in a in a zombie state or or sleepwalking basically is another way of looking at it, where you're not fully awake, you're not fully engaged with life around you, but just kind of in the routine, doing the thing, same thing day in day out, same um patterns of thinking same habits of being same habits of reacting uh, and we'll get to if i carry on this series and uh, we'll talk some more about that because uh the craft of the warrior as you go into this uh spencer kind of breaks down 
uh, what this whole warrior mythology is about. Just flipping back to the table of contents, so give you a feel for the flow. So we're, I'm just um, in the bit about the emerging myth. Then there's the path with heart. Then he goes on to talk about um, what the whole point of the the warrior mythology is, or if you if you're going to take this as a way of practice. What is it about? This about power and impeccability, so personal power, as opposed to power over others, and then, and so the power and impeccability. So acquiring personal power with this kind of integrity, but there are things that he then goes on to cover that that robs us of our personal power. So he calls these power sinks. Um, so he addresses that and there's like another power sink that he specifically pulls out as self-importance and um, and then there's some other leaks and power sinks he calls them then looks at the unknown this idea of going beyond your comfort zone to search out more personal power so basically um, in order to increase your personal power you have to continually push beyond your known space and go off into the unknown that place where it's scary yeah. so that's what he calls hunting for power and then there's this uh, he talks about fear and fearlessness and he's got a chapter on discipline and another chapter on magic will and detachment and uh, before he concluded it up now this for me this episode that i'm doing here is has a couple of foes for me one i wanted to do a book review in this kind of style. Uh, I want to see how it kind of lands with you guys, if you like this, and I'll continue on. Um, so I, I won't. I'm not. I'm not proposing that I'm going to read this whole book um, for you, but I will like to go through and pull out sections of it, and then some commentary around that as well. But I thought, um, yeah, I just wanted to try this that this format out. So you'll have to let me know what you think. And if you want to hear more or you want me to carry on, um, you know, pulling out highlights from this book. There's just a couple more uh, sections or small sections that I want to sort of pull out just to finish off this emerging myth piece. So this is from the book. So those who decipher the code will claim a new relationship with the world. Well, let me let me just back up a bit. So as I was talking about, um, you know, we, we're disconnected from um, myths and paying attention to some, you know, the extraordinary aspect of life. So now, now I'm back here. So yet our connections to our mythic roots are not completely severed. So many of the old stories still survive in one form or another. And many people have turned their search for context and meaning outside of cultural mainstream. There's been a rapidly developing interest in Oriental martial arts and the warrior cultures that produce those arts. And thousands of people are adopting and appreciating Native American traditions which also have a strong warrior warrior code. And as this book develops, the warriorship and the craft of warrior, and there's this metaphor of living um, in that. So it's not about war and going to war and the like, but it's the 
It's the mind, body, and spiritual and wisdom preparation that goes into making you the best human that you can be. If we project this back to when it, you know, the, what the role of the warrior has been. So, you know, they have to be prime humans in that sense. But this is how do I take that kind of discipline to grow myself into my highest sort of potential. So back again, in the midst of not only longing and disillusionment, but of this widespread search for the truth, a new myth is emerging. There's a body of tales and teachings surfacing to serve as a guide, as a psychic roadmap of the roots to a rich sense of connection and purpose. The ancient warrior traditions indigenous to every continent's history are receiving a revival and renovation so that they apply to the present. The new legends provide a code to the universe that can be used by modern people who must deal with today's society. Those who decipher the code will claim a new relationship to the world, a relationship that provides context, orientation, and purpose. This code guides us in relation to all things, understanding our place in the order of the world, and developing a wider and deeper perspective, enhancing our perception, sensitivity, and action, exercising free choice within within the parameters of personal discipline, and living healthy, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual lives. And that's the real crux of it for me in relationship to this emerging myth and this code and use it as a as a of a, as a way of life really that's the key to this i think is it becomes a way of life and hitting all those aspects to me so this like and and, and you know that one that you're waking up and you're making choices actually as opposed to um you know, acting out of habit, but you're actually making real choices and that you're working on yourself in all the ways that is possible to be excellent as a human. So this idea of your sort of personal discipline, your physical, your mental, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual life. So working on all aspects um, of you as a being and this is just, uh, for me, it's a um, it's a fantastic metaphor. I think it's a very practical space because it it's given me a big focus on um, my own sort of self development, personal development, and the physical aspect, and sort of whole the whole of whole of your being, um, which I love. I mean, I just love those <laughs> I love the whole of that idea so he talks about um, the value of of myths so let's just finish this this piece off here so emerging in the tales and writings of the last half century and supported by teachings of far older is the new warrior mythology so there's an update on um, you know yeah times have moved so what is how does the warrior mythology? play itself out in modern days, basically. So myths are the substance of subjective history. 
It is useless to evaluate them in terms of objective history because their value does not lie in the establishing of facts, but in the capturing of subjective experience. The value of the myth is that it serves as a guidebook around the around which people can orient their experiences and set their direction. The factual precision of the stories that are set forth that set forth the myth is beside the point. The warriors and warrior apprentices personify the struggle to gain a way of relating to an infinitely complex universe and the inexplicable forces it contains. So these characters show us the frustrating limits of rationality and our habitual patterns of acting, thinking, feeling, and sensing. The warriors show us alternatives that make life purposeful, enjoyable, and connected to the patterns around us. And again, I just love that, this idea of, of um, living a purposeful life. And, and in fact, all those words are purposeful, enjoyable, and connected to the greater life of, of, and patterns around you, as opposed to the insular way we might be or how we get lost in um, things that are designed to distract us from paying attention to the here and the now. Um, and I just that's what I love about this whole of this sort of concept. So finally here, the warrior myth says that we all have the potential to live according to the warrior's code and to use the warrior's framework for choosing our actions and perceptions. So I'm going to stop there. And would definitely be curious to hear from you if you want me to carry on. So get dive deeper into the craft of the warrior. Um, at the very minimum, if that interested you at all, well worth getting the book. I'll leave a link to it underneath the podcast here in my... And I won't exactly call them show notes, but yeah, I'll leave a I'll leave a link that you can where you can buy the book. Um, yeah, and it'd be great to hear from you. you want me to carry on or carry on? Uh, if you've got some commentary or you've you know you read this, love to hear your thoughts as well in relationship to the craft of the warrior. Now, very good. Okay, so yeah, let me know.